All right, hello and welcome to The Coach's Corner brought to you by The Endurance Lab where you can join the coaches live as we recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. My name is Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches and today I'm joined by coaches Taya Frise, Mitch Dingerman and a nutritional therapist Andrea Cullen. Good morning everybody. Good morning, make sure we've got everything recorded and streaming. Looks like we are live on Facebook. We'll get that shared out here in just a moment. Um, I want to remind everybody that we are live on several different platforms, so this gives you a chance to be part of the show today and ask questions. We've got a lot of stuff going on today, um, and so it's a really good deep dive into our subject. So jump on live and be part of the show. I'm going to get this shared out. Um, I am going to start off, and we're just going to take a fun little turn into a new section of our um, podcast I wanted to bring called Off the Chain Ring. So what I've done is I pulled an article from kind of popular cycling media this week and we're gonna give it to the coaches here. I just sent it to them. I just sent them to the link. That's why everyone is searching on the screens right now. And um, I'm gonna play a video here um, about a recent article and it's about a race here. And we're gonna talk about getting physical um, and we'll kind of do a little bit of chatting there. So let me pull the video here um, and get it shared. And we will get this shared for you guys. <clears throat> All right, so let me set the setting here. This is down at the tour, um, tour of San, uh, the Santos Tour Down Under. Um, and we should be able to get it. There we go. Everybody see it there? Yes, here we go. All right, let me switch it over for our audience. Um, and this is the final run into about the final three or four K into the final run of the Santos tour. Um, you guys should be hearing the audio on your end. In the fight, he's pushing and shoving, going for the wheel of Sagan. Look at it, head to head, shoulder to shoulder. Ewan gets the wheel of Sagan, Rory wants to be. And it's Caleb Ewan making the run for gold. And Viviani has sensed it. As Viviani comes on the right in the center, it is Caleb Ewan as Caleb Ewan gets it on the line. Wow, that was a sprint and a half. And Peter Sagan right there. All right, so... The, the controversial part of this all, and I'll bring it back to the coaches here, the controversial part of this all is in the final run in here, um, you're looking at a lot of physicality happening, happening in between riders. And we've seen this before, not here just at the Santos Tour Down Under, um, but at the Tour de France last year. We've seen it at you know numerous, numerous sprints to the line, um, but actual physical lean on people, headbutting. And from the reading of the articles, they were talking... Um, not just it was a series of I think three pretty serious lean overs into them and that's what ended up um, kind of resulting in minutes after the win getting of the stage getting taken away from uh, from um, from Caleb Ewing so coaches thoughts and we can kind of talk a little bit about that and kind of our experiences with um, being physical or getting you know getting physical during uh, during our races or rides so I think what we saw there was a big headbutt, yeah, right? Several. <laughs> it was it was three from the count of it, like I said. But man, that was it was pretty, yeah. Wow. So um, the is if uh, for those of you who do these races where you're very close to everybody else, like crits, for example, or cyclocross races, you're very close to a lot of people a lot of times, and I know that. A lot of times for you to avoid going down in a tight turn or if somebody's trying to so so let's i guess two scenarios one is avoid going down and the second one is getting somebody out of the way 
Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll talk about the, the avoid going down. A lot, I had quite a few, it was my first cyclocross season last year, I had quite a few falls that could have been avoided if I was comfortable elbowing people and pushing them away, right? Because I had people come on top of me, like literally be on top of me. If I did a little push or a little elbow, not to yeah. throw them out, <laughs> you know, and, and get them to fall off their but bikes. To pr- but protect just to protect your t- space. Right. Just so, so I could stay upright. I could have stayed upright. And so my side of it is I want to learn to get comfortable doing that so that I can, well, if you're just starting to race, then it's hard because you're just trying to even figure out Mm -hmm. how to race, Mm -hmm. let alone, you know, let, you know, push somebody aside. That's that's number one. And then number two is um, trying to get somebody out of the way effectively. So let's say that you are going for it. And it happened to me in the crit last year. I was... Um, in the last lap, passing somebody on the left, and there was a very tight space between the rider in front of me and the uh, barricades, mm-hmm. and I was passing that rider, and she went in front of me to to block me. Oof. And so, you know, if I had more confidence, I could have like pushed her aside and just go back to where you came from. Go back to <laughs> but, where you came from. <laughs> but frankly, I I don't feel comfortable doing that. So. I guess where do you draw the line? You know, when you see the these uh, pro racers, I mean, the, that headbutt, wow, that was pretty effective. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I, let's see, got that back up. So, um, Andrea, any uh, physical uh, physical uh, altercations on the bike here that you've had on your ride? <laughs> She's like, no. I'd be terrified. Once the swim rough bit is done, yeah. I I don't I just want to be left in my space. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the confidence, and and I don't think I would have the skills yet. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I I, I mean. Going on an indoor trainer certainly isn't going to prepare me for this kind of thing. <laughs> so <true>. and, <laughs> and on Zwift, I ride through people all the time. All the time, <laughs> just go right through them. <laughs> right through. Um, no, I mean, I sort of like Andrea. I mean, you know, my cycling is primarily a lot of it's triathlons, and I mean, we have to stay apart from each other, right? Yeah. We can't even, you know. Um, stay apart. I've done a, Ian would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've done a, I've done a few crits, and I mean. I want to stay upright and I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm at the point in like crit experience where I'm really looking for people who may be going down in front of me and and making sure that I'm not going down with them. And I'm not really in the position where I'm thinking I need to use my physicality to get where I want to go. I'm trying to, I'm riding really defensively instead of offensively. And I, and I think it's interesting that, um, you know, when you get to that point and I don't know if it's, I was wondering too if it's a, if a, if American riders are are less used to the physicality than maybe other people because because Amer- Americans are so used to being apart from each other right we have these big <laughs> space issues in our country where yeah. we have personal I space like I like that I like that I, I, you know if uh, it would be interesting to put on some of the um, some of the crit races from our team the Eric Dennings the Matt Roth um, I, I know even in uh, even when we were together at camp last year there was more not really. But just we were able to be closer to people who were mm-hmm. used to riding more closely. Yeah. Um, and so for our group rides, since they are pretty large, 50 plus people, you do sometimes have to remind people they just get to chatting and they're like coming into your line. You, you're able to put you know your hand on someone's hip. It's actually really easy to move somebody yeah, while they're on is. the bike. Like it doesn't take much. It's just like uh, just put your hand there and then they would actually like already start drifting the other way. 
So if like, you know, there's a group of people riding and people are coming up on the left side, let's say, it's really easy to just like, if they're start, the whole line starting to drift is to just barely touch someone and they'll already start leaning the other way. It doesn't take a lot. So, but I guess it just, again, it just depends on kind of your intentions. Is it to let someone know, hey, like it's like in a car, you're like, beep, beep. Hey, watch out, don't change into my lane or like laying on the horn, like just throwing them off to the side of the road. <laughs> so there's not, I haven't really been into a situation like that, but I have watched, um, you know, some of the riders that have let out that um, when they do come through, it's elbows out, you know, tapping people as they come through or going under people, like under people's arms and stuff, because they're like tiny little sprinters. It's been really interesting. And Caleb is a really good example of that because he's tiny. And so when he gets under people, get it under the bars, under elbows, as he comes up, you know, he's like trying to lean over so that he's not getting that little bit of pressure. So, but either way, just interesting. It's something that, you know, it, as you get to the higher levels of racing, whether it be in cyclocross, whether it be in crit racing, or even, you know, as we get into Fondos, it is so packed as you get out of the out of the gates, you know, because we're let off in like waves of like the time that you may be finishing and people are just so, so close. So you not you need to be careful with some contact and you need to understand that you need to be leaning into these moves and just making sure that you have control, you know, during these times. And isn't there probably a difference between a headbutt and leaning? Yes, right? if he had, yes. <laughs> if, he had, if he had pushed with his head instead of like a physical, I think there's probably a probably a difference there. Yeah, I think I think that headbutt is the equivalent of a punch, right? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it before from like the Cavendishes of the world. I mean, and then even the last year with like uh, the elbow, the, the quote unquote like arm out elbow hooking, like ending up everyone ending up on the floor thing. Like, so I mean, it's it, it can be very very physical there at the end. So I'm assuming, uh, obviously, these guys are a part of their bike and their bike is a part of them. But how do we learn those skills to be so much better balanced? And, and I mean, is it rollers or just getting out and practicing yeah. around people closely? I, I think it's doing a lot of group rides. And, it is. And Comfort in there. And then, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You're probably going to talk about like practicing on the grass type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's a, a typical practice in cyclocross on the grass is you go out in circles and you literally hug people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, you kind of go arm to arm. So you interlace your arm with the person next to you. You kind of push a little bit and, and you and at low speed, obviously, but trying to handle your bike on very tight turns on the grass with people next to you and doing those yeah. so that there's it's part of a of cyclocross practice. Yeah, cool. I, I remember it was, um, I think it was very, very early on. I went to visit, um, Charisse was here, one of our um, female Odiva riders were here in California at a team camp. And I um, went to meet up with them um, a day or, in the, at the end of their first day. And they spent the first day right, like learning to um, get to know the other riders. And what they did was they would be forced to ride two by two most of the day, wherever they went, whatever speed like their partner was. And to be that close and to get obviously to get to know each other and then like to the point of being able to hold like touch and hold the other person on the road at pace and at at speed and she said it just made such a difference because usually the first wow. couple of days at camp you're you're trying to just get feel people out on personality but also on the bike like how comfortable are they do i want to be following right. you know those wheels and you know those people and who you get a feel but day one like they just get thrown into it so really interesting way uh, to get to know each other, I guess, at team camp. <laughs> All right, so we'll make a transition here. Looks like we got everything shared out. Um, we're going to jump to our big talk of the day, which is our roundtable. We are going to be talking about um, gels, everything about gels, how they work, how to use them, and what we like. 
Um, and for me, I can just get started. I like to eat real food um, on the bike as much as I can. And I like to start out with more real food, especially on longer rides. I'm talking three plus hours. I'll start with real food and I'll move to more gel type stuff. Um, towards the end of rides, I'll be able to dose things like caffeine as I get towards the end. We'll talk about kind of how these all mix in. Um, but my favorite way to start is I like, um, I like real food at the beginning, um, gel towards the end. And then um, if, if it's really long, you know, four or five hours on the end, I'd like to throw some caffeine in the gels there. Um, and I, uh, products I use, I make a lot of my own food. Um, I do a lot of scratch. We are scratch ambassadors. So definitely some great products I've been using for several years. The products are real. Um, my my six-year-old can read the, the words on the back of the label. I like that. Um, and then uh, as I get towards the end, um, I'm an SIS gel user because I'm not having to add water to the mix. And so I can separate my food, my hydration, and my fueling. I enjoy that. So uh, that's what I like. Um, we could take it around. Um, I know Mitch is a big goo, goo, uh, goo user, right? Yeah, so I've used, um, especially riding, I've used goo for many years. Um, it's just convenient to me. It's, it's uh, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, they've got a variety of different uh, flavors. They've got some that have a little bit of protein in them, the, the octane, like their special high octane stuff. But uh, for me, one of the big things is the caffeine. Um, always enjoyed the caffeine. It's a lot of early morning workouts, uh, a lot of long runs. Um, but then like on the bike, what I typically do now is uh, I'll have something before I ride, but then I'm having liquid nutrition. Um, so a sports drink on the bike, and then as I get near the end, when I'm starting to run out of that, and I'm just using water that I either you know get on the road or, or wherever, then I'm moving into gels uh, to kind of end up that uh, that ride. Yeah. So the uh, I like three kinds, I guess, are my go-to lately. I've tried a little bit of everything. Uh, at first, my first experience wasn't with gels; it was with blocks. I used to mm -hmm. use these. Uh, <laughs> Cliff, <laughs> yeah, the cliff blocks, uh, energy chews, but somehow I got a little bit tired of them. Um, and I think they're, I don't know, they're too sweet, maybe. I, I and dense, so I ended up navigating away from them. And uh, I like the SIS gels, uh, for the consistency. And I find that, uh, those are science and sport, and I find that, uh, I find that they're quite effective. Um, despite the fact that they have some artificial things in it. Yeah. And um, that's the downside. Uh, I like glucose, G-L-U-K-O-S. Oh, yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. That is a shot of, as the name suggests, glucose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that one, that one is, is a whoosh, super high octane. So, and there's nothing in it. It's just glucose. Yeah. And we'll talk about and why. So that one is yeah, exactly. going to be really careful with and when you use it. Yeah, because otherwise you crash and burn. And then, um, the third one is one that we're going to post a video to is the homemade uh, maple syrup and banana gel that coach Ian prepares and yeah. you can add caffeine to it. That one is awesome. You can make it your own. You put in your own uh, disposable pouches and bring them with you. Yeah. I re I've been really enjoying that. Like um, on trainer rides, I just put it in a bowl. <laughs> just, oh, there you go. Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> done. Yeah, uh, yeah. It works out. It works out. All right, Andrea, where's uh, what's your go-to uh, go-to uh, feeling on the bike for those uh, for those days? I, I think like 
where I want to go with fueling yeah. when I'm really back racing again yeah. is probably using more gels. Mm. Um, but so far, it's a carb drink with some amino acids in it. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of solids, whether it's it's dates or a little bit of bar. And then I'll, I'll use transition towards gels as I get near the run. I like Torque. Uh, they're a British company. They have a great philosophy. They're they're two to one with maltodextrin fructose. They've nothing artificial in there. They have a little bit of electrolyte, and I also like Born. Um, and you know, Garen uses High Five. Um, I'll use the blocks now and again. So I've sort of just been playing around with everything to try and feel what they're like so that then I can recommend them onto people. Makes but the, the big issue, I, like what drives me nuts is is trying to take them. If you get your hands sticky when you're on the bike, yeah. oh, it, and the same with running. And I just get distracted so easily. I, I cannot turn my head off from my hands all sticky. I need to wash <laughs> my hands. <laughs> um, you can always um, spit on them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah you, just, you just you just lick them all. But... Uh, well, there was that article in the forum about peeing on the bike. There's, you can, you can <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I don't know if gonna... I want to go there. But no, the no, other let's thing not go is, there. Go to the if forum they... if you're interested in peeing on the bike. <laughs> yeah. But if they're really thick, um, as well as the gastroabsorption thing, sometimes they like leave a layer of kind of sugary scum around your mouth. So the yeah. more liquid ones tend to be a bit more enjoyable to take. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of options. And if I was recommending someone, like I just did a chart up and I'll get it on the forum because I went through as many gel brands as I could having a look at them. Um, it's probably not including ever. There's so many companies out there. Mm -hmm. Like I've been watching the market for the last couple of years and, you know, five or 10 years ago, I looked at bringing in an Italian company into Ireland because we actually didn't have enough endurance products. And now the market is utterly flooded and everyone's marketing claims are way more than they're actually oh, delivering yeah. in a product because ultimately it's sugar, what types of sugars, right. uh, trying yeah. to avoid any, anything artificial and whether there's electrolytes or amino acids added. But that's, that's as simple that's as bullshit. it gets. Yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, take, we'll definitely take a deeper uh, delve into that. Um, as far as like uh, the sugars, and I've, I've got our um, sports science um, article that you posted up too. I'll be I'll be able to bring it up so that people can see it as we talk here. Um, but you know, we're talking about different times to take gels. We all talked about during um, our um, workouts, uh, during our long our longer rides or our um, competitions. But there are also case um, cases for if your events are much shorter, um, that you'll be taking things like beforehand, for example, twenty minutes before. Uh, a crit race, a 45 minute cross race, um, because there may not be able to be fueling on a short type of race that's intensity quite high um, and that sort of thing. And then um, after, I haven't had too much experience or haven't ex- um, uh, told people to take gels after. I don't, I don't know if you guys had too much, um, if you guys have recommended that. Usually I, I have people just finish everything that they've had as their yeah. post-workout, like on the bike. Like what do you empty your pockets out, eat I that, mean- and then go eat a real meal after that, like that sort of thing. I mean, honestly, I've always kind of, I've taken what I know I'm going to use, right? Because yeah. you have a plan, right? right? right especially, right, right. especially I know Andrea, triathletes always have like a nutrition right. plan. And, yeah. and you know, you're, you may have one extra, right? Just in case something goes crazy. But I mean, you're not bringing, I mean, there's only yeah. so much you can bring. Yeah. Um, and mm. when I was doing like half marathons, right? I mean, you know, it's an hour and 30, hour and 40 minutes. You know what you're going to eat. You know mm-hmm. what you're going to drink. 
Um, and, and when I'm done, I don't want to, I don't want another gel. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you, you wouldn't need them unless you're really gone into a hypo where you're close to a drip. The first yeah. thing you want to be taking on board is is protein. Yeah. Unless it's multi-stage and you're into something either later on in the day or the That's following okay. day, then you want to get yeah. your carbs in fast. Yeah. Um, so then a gel may be helpful to optimize that ab- absorption yeah. rate. Um, but generally, it would be get your protein in, get a little bit of carbs to stabilize how you feel, and then head straight into a meal when you're ready for it. But, oh, I cannot face sugar or carbs mm-hmm. or sweet things yeah after a full for day. a day it's like oh <laughs> so that's a good case um Taya, you've done um multiple cross races on a day so fueling in between not not like uh, the kale and uh, kale and chickpeas that uh, you've seen some of the competitors eating in between races <laughs> i know i know it was like so uh yeah so sometimes you do two races in the same day and the uh, time window between the two races is typically two hours yeah, and a half, two hours, depending on the category. So you go single speed and then you go your category, for example. And uh, so what I do is right at, so I have a gel before the first race to get the kick in. And I usually take it 20 to 30 minutes before that race. And then as soon as I'm done with that race, I have, um, I have a little bit of protein. So I do, you know, a, a scoop of, of protein um, and then I have another gel. And then I go into the next race. Yeah. So yeah. So so that between crits and cross, um, I think um, I think that's that's where there may be a case study for that. Um, but just uh, again, coming up with the plan um, and if deciding if you're going to be eating real food, if there's you know two or three hours. I mean, I think real food's tough. I mean, what were you thinking, Andre? Andre, like three at least three hours in between races. If if you're going to try. Oh, to three hours in between is a long time, isn't it? It is. If yeah. it is, but usually that's like you know one to two hours, but. You know, even some of my guys, they'll race morning, they'll race morning four fives, and then they'll race like a three, four, five in the afternoon. So it's like half a day in between. So, yeah, so it, it, it it's case study, but understand that you're going to need some time to digest if you're actually putting something big in. Um, but simple sugars and things like that are um, what you're going to be go to depending on the length of your ride. Um, and a lot of us have talked about doing more solid foods to start with and kind of moving to more uh, liquid foods depending on the situation. So... Let's talk a little bit of the science. Um, that's why we've got Andre on the big screen today. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see if we can uh, if we can make sure we can um, get this to a level so that we can understand what is actually in these packets. I'd like to start with maybe breaking down kind of what um, the different types of sugars we use. We'll move on to kind of how they get combined and how that's useful, um, and then maybe a little bit of um, timing of um, absorption and things like that. So um, maybe we could start with just kind of. What's inside um, these packets and uh, the sugars behind them? Can we can we do that? Yeah, well, I definitely wasn't going to go all science gung ho. Yeah, it, <laughs> it just means doesn't you know, we want it to mean something? Yeah, but generally, absolutely. your gel is going to have one or two or three different types of sugars in there. Right. You're possibly going to have electrolytes. You're possibly going to have preservatives and additives. You're possibly going to have artificial sweeteners, which I think why um because <laughs> generally things are sweet enough and you may have caffeine so and also if you're getting freebie samples just check the expiry dates because they're always mm. going to give the short dated stuff as freebies so a year later it's probably not although some of them i really wonder how they're going to go off with what's actually in there um there, there's some they, fascinating discussions online real quick on expiry dates and gels but go really? ahead Andrea. i think that maybe they have, have a forever years. shelf life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. shelf life <laughs> Maybe they're like nail polish. They never expire. Oh, my gosh. 
Well, when they do the expiry date tests on them, they do it in a kind of simulated augmented environment so that they're, I, I think these aren't, aren't going to go off <laughs> unless there's a hole in them and they're getting I, I, I think it's primarily like flavor and texture and things that change over time. I'm not sure if they actually get bad for you, but I, I think the key is, is, is you probably should use them within a short period of time around the expiry just so that you don't get stomach distress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're good for the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> and, and zombies don't like them. So yeah, I mean, you, you got that going for they, just like, they like real food. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> so you want to ask yourself, like, what, 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 what do I need from my gel? Like, there's very few of us that are going to be going at the intensity of a pro or elite age group athlete where we're going to need those 60 to 90 gram per hour oxidation rates. Yeah. Some of us will, like all out on a, on, a, on a bike, all out in a triathlon, you're probably better going for the maximally um, oxidized products because it means you may, like if something falls apart and you're not managing to stay on top of your nutrition plan, at least you're taking in something that's more likely to get into your system at a greater rate and at a greater speed. So I, there, I mean, if we were watching Ironman world champs, you saw Lisa Charles missed one bottle on the bike. Mm -hmm. And my mind is like, Whoa, that was probably crucial. But if you're slightly on the side of getting stuff in and fast enough and at an opt the, the the greatest rate possible, it's probably going to help you out a little bit. So generally, we can't really take in more than 60 to 90 grams of carbs per hour. And that's not based on how our muscles are working. That's based on how our stomachs are actually able to absorb the product into our system. So if we use one type of sugar, so we're looking at glucose, um, sucrose, multidextrins, dextrins, they'll gen generally absorb fairly quickly. Fructose is gonna be a little bit slower. Okay. And there are two categories of sugars, they're absorbed slightly different ways. So if we use one from each category, we're gonna have a slightly greater intake, a greater uh, total absorption rate. So that's generally when you see fructose with one of the other sugars. Mm -hmm. Now it's, so we would call this dual, dual phase or dual, my brains are going this morning, <laughs> but they'd be, I, would, I would call them dual phase. So we're looking at two transporter systems and they're going to get slightly more in total in than just using one absorption system. Fructose on its own is going to be slower than something with glucose or multidextrin or a dextrin um, because it needs to go via the liver to, to be metabolized before it gets to the muscle. So this is where sometimes you may be slightly limited with things like your fruit, fruit juice, honey, or maple syrup. Although honeys and maple syrups can have slightly varying amounts of glucose and fructose depending on, because they're mother nature, so they're gonna be variable. Um, so if you're looking for the optimal rates, you're looking for a product that has two types of mm -hmm. sugars, and one of those needs to be fructose. Not all products do this. Yeah. And we've been talking about this science for quite a while now. And Asker Jackendrop on My Sports Science, isn't it? Yep, I've got it. He is the, the carb guy. <laughs> he has some brilliant articles explaining all of this. But I was quite surprised when I went through, I must have gone through nearly 30 different brands that not all of them have this dual phase. Like High Five, for example, doesn't have a dual phase carb source. Uh, SIS doesn't um some of the who else was surprising me goo did uh 
Morton is a completely different formula. So you're not looking for the, they do have fast and dual actually, and a hydrogel formula. Um, who else surprised me? There was a couple of others. Uh, Pacific Labs, they were falling off the bottom actually as well. So the key, the so the key, so the key of this is looking for products that have both. The reason being is because you want a, ch you want your body a chance to bring, to bring that in, right? You want a chance to be able to get that that faster hit from those those glucose um, sources, and then your body a chance to digest on the other side so that you get that second wave or that additional, um, uh, additional introduction of sugars into the body as well, right, um, Andrea? That's, yeah. that's the idea behind the dual, right? Yeah. So if you're looking for fast, quick boost, you're looking for dual. Now, some companies then are doing, they're creating what we would call different types of release rate dextrins. So you could be looking at like Epic right. Sport seem to have the best products here where you have your dual fast and then they have a slower release dextrin. So you're sort of getting the, the fast release and then mm -hmm. the slower release. Right. So that to me is a, a really good gel formula. And then... Morton have done something quite completely different. They've they've created the, the the structure of the product to release in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we, if are we looking mm -hmm. at like a, the difference between like something like a super simple sugar, like a, a glucose dextrose releasing very quickly, right? Like what um, Tay had mentioned to something all the way like a name that you probably see on a lot of these labels out there, like a maltodextrin, which would be a longer chain, so that's kind of a little bit slower. Um, so kind of mixing those, hearing those names in those two, along with like the fructose um, source would kind of give you those almost like level three levels. Like I, I posted here on the um, on the article from My Sports Science, you're looking at kind of a slower, a faster medium and kind of slower release. These are the these are the names that you're seeing on those labels out there um, that yeah. are, are releasing these things in different rates here. Yeah, you yes, have... the, just talking about the release. <laughs> Do we, would would you recommend then using gels for workouts at all? I don't think we need them. Like I really, they are sugar. Like if you Google glucose or fructose or maltodextrin and health risks, yeah. <laughs> you know, having a having a lot of them in our diet isn't a good thing. We're yeah. just using them for an extraordinary situation where we're racing, right. um, but also. On occasion, we do need to practice with these products mm -hmm. to train the gut to have those receptors there to optimize the trans the, the transport rates across the system so yeah. this is where we say don't do a keto diet and then suddenly expect that you can horse in all yeah. of these gels and get away with it um so i think yeah for 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 most training re real food or have you know real food with a little bit of honey or maple syrup and then when you're buying your honey and maple syrup yeah. make sure that it's the real deal it's proper nuts. stuff we're talking 100% pure, we're, yeah, we're, we're not other part, things added to it. It's nuts. We were at a party the other day, and um, we were saying that it's so crazy. I was like, oh, on our podcast, we have to, like, remind people to buy real honey, blah, 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 this and that. And then my wife slides me over the honey that we're, like, at a brunch thing. She slides me over the honey, and there's every I'm talking about this in front of everyone, and I flip it over. I'm like, crap, like, this person's house that we're at has hyperglose corn syrup in their honey. And I'm like, okay, never mind. Change the subject. <laughs> Nobody's looking at labels. It's really, I don't, I think it's very rare to find honey. That's actually real single source it's tough. with that hasn't been adulterated. Like they yeah. were calling it Honeygate, and there's been yeah. documentaries oh. on how honey gets transported by China. And then they've all these little loopholes. So then when you read the final label, it, it doesn't say this and it's all been adulterated along the way. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm able to buy Polish honey and it seems to be real. But any other Irish honey, it's, oh, nice. it's mm. from European and non-European states. It's like, wow. <laughs> you got you to buy local. Farmer's so, market. Yep, farmer's yeah. market. Yep, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's, That's it's... going to be expensive. Yeah. I'm getting my own hive this year. Nuts. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when... They'll uh... all die in the cold, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> they, they live. They live. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not. So yeah. So those are those are sources of um, combination of uh, fructose um, and glucose, right? Because it essentially is a disaccharide or a two sugar, right? For those um, kind of more natural sources. So those are they, those kind of fall in the middle. Those are great. Those are great um, solutions for this sort of thing. Um, but yeah. So let's see. We've got. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the amount. Oh, you have something to. Ask? I was going to say, yes, I was just going to say, don't use then those gels for your workouts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. back I, to that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because a lot of the, our prescribed workouts are at least, you know, you're looking at 60 yeah. to 75 minutes. Um, you should be able to have that on board. Um, if you're going for a long one and you're doing um, some type of training that allows you to kind of also practice your fueling, you're going, you know, 90 minutes plus, two hour, um, two hour rides outdoors, hopefully, not on the trainer. Um, and you're getting a little longer along, I think it's useful to try and practice to make sure that you can eat while you're riding. You can eat at speed and pace and you can digest while you're doing that. But otherwise, you know, I've taken a lot of people off. Like there were so many riders I had that were like gel on the trainer, gel every coffee ride. It was like, just try water guys. Like, I think you'll be okay. Cause you eat like things when we get to the coffee shop. So like, yeah. we'll, like we'll the, be main, the main <laughs> problem when you take this, that starts to suppress your fat oxidation, yeah. which is what you're actually trying to train for because of the spike in insulin. Well, then you're you're in carb burning mode, so you're never going to optimize your your fat oxidation capacity. So th that's another reason to not over overuse these for for training. Um, there's a few more things I wanted to hit on regarding gels. Do you want me to keep kind of going? Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. so when you know we've got a gazillion products. See, then it's personal preference. You want to be, you know, how sweet do I want it? Because maltodextrins are less sweet than sucrose and fructose. What's the consistency like? Do you want like the really? Although Paragel have got really, they've improved recently because theirs were rock solid. And the one product that people vomited was was Paragel because oh. it was so so solid in the gut. It was just was too intense. But they've they've got better. They've bought out new products. Um, your flavor. You know, what sort of flavor do you want? Um, and again, I would I would recommend avoiding any artificial stuff in there if possible. There's one thing that's been spoken about a lot recently, and that's GI distress in athletes. Mm -hmm. um, gas, wind, bloating, runner's trots, diarrhea. Oh, so nice. It's she little... called it wind. <laughs> wind. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Okay. That's a new one. I like it. So it's... it's yeah. Do you not call it that over there? Yeah. Um, no. no. <laughs> Our kids do not call that that. So it's less of an issue on the bike, but for runners, it's a big issue. Oh, yeah. And we're yeah. starting to see that fructose can can lead. So when we're looking for these dual fuels, it's actually the fructose that can create issues for people by because of its osmotic load on the gut. So some people, for that reason, if they're not tolerating certain gels, might want to drop the fructose and go back to the maltodextrin or the uh, hmm. the polydextrins. Um, yeah. What are what are some do do we find any sources of like someone that uses like a polysaccharide, like something that's really like even longer than maltodextrin? I mean, or are those like the UCANs and those sort of things? Is that where that falls in, like like extended long chain 
carbohydrates. Carbopro. Like, yeah, like carbopro. Like, are, is that what that falls into? Like that longer chain carbohydrate? Are those still considered kind of like the maltodextrin's level of a uh, release? There's a couple. So it can. This would be marketed as ultra endurance and mm. endurance products or fat burning products. Yeah. But some of them are just longer chain. Uh, but it but more concentrated and then there's others that are more slower release where they'll optimize the fat oxidation rates and right. this is where that italian company ethics sport they have a patented multiple dextrin formula that looks amazing and then you've others like hammer sustain and, and perpetuum and they're not necessarily slower release they're just less sweet more complex um yeah and they've got more density to them, if that makes the, the, yeah. they're a better fuel. Um, and when you're looking at ultras um, and longer distance events, it's not just you need more than just carbohydrate for the event. You need calories. Yeah. So sometimes adding a bit of protein, adding a bit of fat without it affecting the gut too much is is key. And that's where some of these other products will start to have a lot of other things in there. And then they'll go so far as adding vitamins and minerals and carnitine. I don't think we need vitamins and minerals and yeah. amino not, acids are helpful, but make, making your gel a multivitamin, you know, and using that as a sales pitch, I, I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're uh, looking to supplement while we're, uh, while we're training or on the bike. So, I mean, there's a time and place for a lot of that. So we're looking at the carbohydrate, uh, carbohydrate number. Um, obviously, we're looking to get towards that 60 or train towards being able to do, you know, that 60 number, 60 grams per hour. This is a part of the equation because um, you're getting a, a bunch of this carbohydrate, 20 or 30 grams from your gel. But the second portion, we're um, advocating to be able to get that from your um, hydration or from your um, from your bottle, let's say, because there's only so much you can take in. Um, you know, even from the from the article we were looking at here from um, Sports and Science, you're looking at really you can only put so much in your even into your drink, anywhere from 30 to 60 grams, and the other part is going to come from your gel. And so it's kind of this balance between the two. So do you want to get between 30 and 60 or are you going to push and need to get to that, you know, that bleeding edge of like 60 to 90? Because really the body is just not able to digest that quickly. And you're just going to have like leftover, leftover carbohydrate fuel, whatever you're putting in, just sitting in the stomach. And the more you have in there, it's that sleepy feeling you get after a meal where the body's just like shutting down and wanting to go and digest that. So it's, it's a fine balance for each rider, I feel, right? Yeah, I, I think we're way more resilient than the last few years of sports science have kind yeah. of told us mm -hmm. where we're really overanalyzing. Like most people can eat Christmas dinner, which has everything That's in there right, and right. come 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 through the day. So well, well, they're, I, not, I, they're not writing a, a sweet spot, right? Like for three hours. No, <laughs> they're not. But, but I think the people that I noticed that can literally horse anything into them and do an amazing Ironman time are the least anxious. Mm -hmm. And they're just aren't worrying about it now also I, I do think it is really good to have a plan and make things as simple for your stomach as possible but there I think there's sort of a balance between it all as well like I think anxiety plays a huge role when athletes don't manage to tolerate the fuel that they're taking because they're so anxious that that's further through the parasympathetic sympathetic yeah. nervous system drive they're further impeding their their digestive function in in addition to going out at intensity and not breathing properly, posture, everything. So there's several things going on. And I think as a coach, it's it's watching your athlete, you know, the athlete that's constantly blaming nutrition. First, look at nutrition and what they're doing, but then look look further than that. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense to me. Yeah. How the nerves could play a role. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think a lot um, for us as coaches, it's it's part of the equation. For um, I know Tay and I do a lot of just um, a lot of just cycling, um, uh, and it does. It's not multi-sport, but asking the question on the reverse side is asking what you're eating on the bike. Um, and we've also talked about, you know, fueling for your workouts before, during, and after. And this is the time where you get, you know, a huge load of that, those carbohydrates in, um, and maybe not having to have them fully loaded on every single meal that you have out there, um, depending on your goals. And this is the time where you can kind of look and search and on your longer rides, either use a real food source. Um, and maybe we could talk about that. So then if we're talking like not having gels, um, on the bike, we're talking having just really just water over the 60 minutes um, or 75 minutes. Otherwise, we're looking at just eating afterwards, right? That's that's the conversation we're having about post-workout, you know, or just fueling through our rides for our shorter to 60 to 75 minute rides. Like staring. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so I know. Uh, I know. Mitch grabbed the uh, grabbed the book there. Um, pretty good source of um, kind of foods that we can yeah. have. Um, both, uh, both he and I, um, did a couple recipes last year out of that. It's not just a cookbook. I mean, really the, the first couple chapters really is a good primer on how your body uses nutrition and everything around it. So, I mean, I, I can't recommend the book enough for people who want to understand how their body digests and uses the energy that you're using when you're working out, running, cycling, swimming. Yeah. So that's feed zone portables. Yeah. Yep. Feed zone portables. Yeah. It's a good book. Absolutely. I think it, it, it does break it down. And, and we're trying to just kind of bring in kind of the, the higher level stuff that you're seeing in advertising and trying to get um, you guys to get a feel for what's out there and what to look for and what to break down. Essentially, the differences between our simple sugars and kind of our higher level like combination that just with, uh, you know, two sugars or even more. And so just so that you guys understand those names and what to look for. And then most importantly, when to use it during training, because that's the key part, right? you know, great products all the time. Should we put, should we putting, should we be putting these in all the time or should we just be putting these in during, you know, training, long training days? And that's, and that's what we're looking at here. Cause you've got to train it, your nutrition, the same way you would train, um, you train anything else, you train any zone, you train any aerobic system, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And then either for, in my case, I'm just a short course racer. I just do short rides, um, excuse me, short races. So I don't need to be taking these during training, yeah. uh, but I will when I come close to the season, because then again, it's just getting the body used to it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And you know, and, and, and playing with the amount of carbohydrates that you're putting in um, is really important. I mean, we've, we've, we've had um, some short conversations here, even on um, the coach's corner about feeling really carved up for like a longer ride or a, a, um, a longer or a very intense workout, let's say. Um, and feeling empty and trying to do that fasted and trying to do it like with very little fuel. It's, it's, it's both mentally taxing and physically taxing, yeah. but, but when you're fueling yourself properly, um, what, to, no matter the source, you're going to feel stronger and you're going to be able to hit those targets. You're going to be able to hold those powers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you're going to be that's able a, to, I just, I'm just, yeah. just, just trying to like bring it all home, but yeah. yeah, that's a good point, Jason. You know what? Because somebody might be listen to a part of what we're saying here and thinking to themselves, oh, maybe I shouldn't be having any carbs when right. I train. That's yeah. not what we're saying, right? Mm -hmm. What we're saying is do not use these gels all the time when you're training, but yeah. by all means, 
yes, have carbs available in your system when you go into an intense workout. Yeah. And the way you do that is by fueling properly with your food. So it not 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 all of a sudden, oh, I'm just gonna get my carbs out of gels now. You know, you, you get it out of your real food. Um, you eat properly throughout the day, you eat properly before a workout, and that's uh, when you have those available to you. We're just talking about the fast, fast release gels that you use in certain circumstances uh, and not all the time. Yeah, and you can think of how you mix your food as different delivery systems as well. Right. So if you want, if you need to fuel well for a session, but want to use whole foods, use rice, polenta, oats. Mm -hmm. They're going to be higher yeah. carb sources that fuel you well and sustain you well. So they're going to get in fairly quickly, and they're going to have quite a, a kick, a, a good amount of carbs per 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 volume of food. Then, if you want to slow that down, you're looking at at or, or speed it up. It, it's either the addition of a bit of fiber from your veggies and fruits, or a bit of protein, or a bit of fat. Whenever you put these in the mix, they're going to slow the delivery from the gut into the system. Um, and then so that there you're looking at, you know, changing the macro breakdown of the meal and how mm -hmm. fast it's getting into you. If it's, you know, a, a really easy, that long, slow, steady ride, then you can probably up the protein, make the carbs, maybe potato or something that's a little slower releasing or have a bit of fat or a bit of veg. You can see mm -hmm. how you can manipulate your, your meals to change the macro, but also to change the release of that carbohydrate into your system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does, it does. And real food, real food examples are, are great because, I mean, if we're not um, trying to put these gels down, having, you know, the oats, um, banana, like so that you're looking at oats for your, you know, a, a, a carbohydrate source, you're looking at maybe some fructose like a banana, um, you know, and if you want to slow it down, that means you, you're going to put some like almond butter, some peanut butter in there. Right, um, right. These are yeah, things that we have in our fridge, you guys. Like this is what you can be having, you know, um, the, the couple moments before you're stumbling through the kitchen on the way to the pain cave, like, you know, having it, having it either before overnight oats, things like that. These are all sources that you can have that you can put down um, before these rides. So really, yeah, so and guess what? They have vitamins, minerals, yeah, antioxidants. Yeah. They make your brain work better. They're going to yeah. help with oxygen supply. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. why did we invent faster? And they're food? not that expensive, right? And they're yes. not as expensive. You're right. You're right. I mean, I mean, white rice. Mitch, is, Mitch, I'm sure you got pounds and pounds of white rice at the house, right? Like I do. <laughs> you know what? We're, 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 not as it much. must be my it must be my bad influence. We we <laughs> hardly ever eat rice. Yeah, you know, last year at teen camp, I had to bring my own 25 pounds of white rice, but everyone started eating it when I got there. So <laughs> I was cooking like a, a 10 10 cup a day, just like just we was putting out rice every day. Breakfast. He didn't even get to ride. He was just making rice. <laughs> just making rice all day, pretty much. I mean, we had so many rice cakes. I couldn't yeah. make it through security on the way back. Yeah, yeah. Tay's like, "What do you have left?" We had a couple in the fridge. Yeah, Mitch and I <laughs> went to town. So, all right. So, really great conversation today. We're gonna wrap this up here. So, really um, talking about fueling your rides. Take a conscious effort. Look at the, what we're putting in. Take a look at those ingredients and get a better understanding of. You know, how, how is it getting in, the speed that we're getting in, and when to use these. And putting these three things together, I think, is key um, and so that you can understand how to fuel yourself. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to empower you with the information to be able to make the choices and to choose the fuels that you want, both for training and for racing, um, to make yourself faster in the end. So um, any final comments from the coaches here, and I can get this all wrapped. 
Um, there is an article coming out I know Andre is working on, right? We will be able to post at some point in uh, the forum. Yeah? Excellent. Yeah, and yeah we, can, we, we can share that PDF that I gave you as well with all beautiful. the different brands. It is, it's great. You guys are going to get a breakdown here. So head over to the forum. Um, I'll make sure we get um, links posted to that as well as the My Sports um, Science article that we have uh, um, posted here as well. Um, and we'll get to share that. But really great conversation. If you guys have questions about um, gels or kind of how to use these, we will all be in the forum to be able to answer any of those questions um, kind of as you guys are listening to this on the podcast and check the show notes out. But otherwise, um, we are good to go. So I want to thank you guys for joining in today with us in here in the Coach's Corner. And if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the Endurance Lab or head over to YouTube and search the same. And don't forget to click subscribe. For more information, when our next lab is, head over to theendurancelab.fit where you can join us to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week.